0: I want to talk to you today about an angel that appeared to Joseph and told him that he should marry Mary and that they would be the earthly parents of Jesus. Now, one of the things that we have seen in our study of the angels, this Christmas, we're looking at the Christmas story from the perspective of the angels. Last week, we saw the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, who was a teenage girl, a virgin, and said, Mary... An amazing thing is gonna happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to to conceive and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Well, she was absolutely amazed by that. Now, today, in a moment, we're going to see that another angel, this is an unnamed angel. It could have been Gabriel, but another angel appeared to Joseph and gave him some very clear instructions on what to do. One of the things that we have seen in our study so far of these angels is that in the Bible, when angels appear... They always have a word from God. In other words, they are delivering a message from God. God has something that he wants to be communicated to one of his followers, and so he sends an angel, and that angel tells that person what to do. And so the title of the message today is, Does God Still Speak to People Today?, Does God still speak to people today? And of course, the answer to that question is yes, he does. God has many ways that he speaks to us. But the follow-up question to that is this. When is the last time that God spoke to you? Now, I want you to think about that. that, That question right there is really the foundation question for this message. When is the last time when you feel that you had a clear word from God, maybe from a sermon, maybe from a class, maybe from your Bible reading, maybe the Spirit of God just spoke to you, maybe from a friend, maybe from a song on the radio, but you were going through something, you were facing something, you needed a word from God. And one way or another, God spoke to you and God got that message into your heart. I personally believe that in the day in which we live, it is the most difficult season in the history of the world for people to get a word from God. The pace of our lives is so, so fast and so busy and the media Uh, television, radio, social media, there's so many positives to all of that, but there are so many negatives to all that. Remember this, the Bible says that God's voice is a still, small voice. One translation says it's like a gentle whisper. And so in order for us to be able to hear that quiet voice of God, we have to be quiet and we have to listen, and yet I think sometimes we just kinda half hear what God might be saying to us. I heard about a man last week I read about a man. He had gone to church. He didn't want to go. His wife drug him to church and he was there and the pastor started preaching and he got about 10 or 15 minutes into the sermon and the man didn't, couldn't get into the sermon. And so he just kind of drifted off to sleep and not a deep sleep, not REM sleep, but he was out. And uh, about 10 minutes into his nap, he kind of woke up. And when he woke up, he heard the pastor say, stand up. That's the only two words he heard. He didn't hear what he had said before. He just heard, stand up. The man stood up. And so when he stood up, the congregation just applauded, loud applause. They clapped for him for an extended period of time. And after they stopped clapping, the pastor said, thank you, sir, for standing. Who else would make a commitment to give $5,000? So (laughs) I read that and I thought, you know, that man was half listening and it was costly. It cost him something. And then I wonder today, even in this service, how many will be in this service today? Hopefully none, but I wonder how many might be here today and they're going to listen to the sermon, but you're kind of half listening. You're kind of thinking about what are we going to have for lunch? What are we going to do this afternoon? We got to finish our shopping. How are we going to do Christmas this year? Christmas. You got minds. Our minds are just going and going and going and going. And yet, God said twice in Psalm 81, "If my people would just listen to me." You know, as we think about our relationship with God, we think about all those people that sing Christmas tree, some in the services, early services this morning getting saved. What does it mean to be saved? You say, well, when we're saved, that means our sins are forgiven. That's right. So when we're saved, that means we're going to go to heaven when we die. That's right. But well, I'll tell you what, the, I, and that's, those are wonderful blessings, but I'll tell you another wonderful blessing of being saved. The heart of being a Christian is that when we receive Christ, we begin a daily life walk with him. It is just like in the Old Testament, it says Enoch walked with God says, Noah walked with God. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be walking with God. That's what life is. When you woke up this morning, the the whole point of this day is so that you can walk with God, so that I can walk with God. And when we walk with God, it would be like if you and I went to the park and we walked, I would talk some, you would talk some. We would probably have some moments of silence, but we would be walking together. We would be in fellowship with each other. Well, this is how life is supposed to be. We're walking with God. We're talking to him. Sometimes we're quiet. Sometimes nobody's saying anything, but sometimes God says something. God has something he wants to say to you. God has an answer he wants to give to a question. God has a problem he wants to solve. God has a piece of insight that he wants to give you. And yet so many times we miss it. We're half listening. We're too busy. I, you know, I just wonder like it, for people, and I'm on my phone a lot too, but we carry our phones in our pocket. We've got I mean, I don't have emails coming to my phone purpose, but I mean, you people have emails to their phone, text to their phone, call, and it just the whole day is this. And you just wonder, how could you, how can we hear from God? With with this much chatter and with this much noise. Now, in Matthew chapter number one, I want us to read one of my favorite passages of scripture in all the in all the New Testament. In fact, I've preached from this many times myself, but never what I'm about to do today. And I want us to begin in verse 18 and read through the end of the chapter. And I do want to just I want to read this passage. I want you to follow along in your Bible with no I'm not going to comment on this. I just want you to hear the word of the Lord. Now, as the birth of Jesus Christ Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. for he will save his people from their sins. So this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name. Say it out loud. What is that name? Jesus. Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Last Monday night, about eight o'clock, I was home and I read that passage of scripture and I started thinking about this sermon today, the 30 minutes that we're spending together right now and after I read it, I said, now God how would you have me to teach that next Sunday? And the thought came to my mind, well, you've been making the point, you and your dad both, that when angels appear, they deliver a specific word from God. They have, they have a message for the people. And so I just began making some observations about the type of people, the types of people that God speaks to. And I made some observations, not only about the types of people that God speaks to, but about some of the things that are characteristic of God speaking. In other words, when God speaks, what are some things that he does? And so I just listed out in my home last Monday night, I made seven observations about how God speaks, who God speaks to, and how these things work, how this works, and I just wanna walk through this today. Now I know that seven points is, a, is probably too many points for, for a sermon. Don't say amen to that, but I think it probably is too many. So I wanna just kinda keep this moving, but as we just kinda walk through this list, I want you to think of it today is a checklist. And I want you to ask yourself, as we're just going through this, am I this kind of person? Do I have these qualities that Joseph had? Do I recognize God as clearly as Joseph did? So let's just jump right in. First of all, i notice this. God speaks to people who have right hearts and who have tender hearts who have right hearts and tender hearts. And Joseph had both of these. Look again in verse number 19. We see that Joseph's heart was right with God. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Some translations say a righteous man. In other words, this is the Bible's way of saying Joseph was saved. Joseph had trusted in God. He had placed his faith in God for the forgiveness of his sins, and he was right with God. The first first thing you have to have in order for God to speak to you is you have to be saved. You have to have a right heart with God. If a person's not saved, think about this. If a person's not saved, the only thing God is going to say to that person is you need to get saved you have sinned. You need to be forgiven. You're not ready to die. And so God's going to give that message. But once we're saved, he begins to speak to us about other things. And so Joseph had a a right heart towards God, but he also had a right heart towards Mary. Now notice again in, in this 19th verse, and not wanting to make her a public example, he was mindful minded to put her away secretly. Now, The thing is, in Bible times, Mary and Joseph, we would say they were engaged. They weren't married yet, but they were engaged. But in Bible times, it wasn't called an engagement. It was called a betrothal. And in those times, when you were betrothed to somebody, it was as legally binding as a marriage. And the only way that you could end a betrothal was to get a divorce. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Joseph, we don't know how long he and Mary had been together and been dating, but he loved her and she loved him. And they were betrothed. They they had made that commitment. They were in in a legal union with each other. And now Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. The Bible doesn't tell us how he found out. We're just assuming that after Gabriel said to Mary, you're gonna conceive and give birth to a son, that she said to Joseph, Joseph, there's something you need to know. I'm pregnant. Now, put yourself in Joseph, because see, we know the story, but Joseph didn't know, he didn't know this. His fiance is pregnant. He knew it wasn't his baby, and as she's explaining the whole story to him, she said, Joseph, I just want you to know I'm pregnant, but I haven't been unfaithful. I haven't been with another man. The baby on the inside of me comes from God. Now, to us, this is the Christmas story. We're most familiar with it. But Joseph wasn't. What do you think Joseph thought? Joseph was thinking, now, Mary, I love you. We've made this commitment to spend our life together. You're pregnant. I know I'm not the father. He's probably thinking, why don't you just come clean? Why don't you just tell me who it was? Why don't you just tell me why you did this? Why don't you just assure me that it's over with, that you've stopped it? Because if you'll do that, Mary, we can continue on. But you're telling me that you're pregnant and God is the one who made you pregnant? And so he's probably just thinking, I I just don't buy that. And so Joseph is weighing his options and he's thinking, what should I do? Now, since a betrothal was just as binding as a marriage, the only way to break that was through a divorce, but there was actually one other option. Keep in mind at this time, they were still under the Old Testament law because, you know, Jesus hadn't even been born yet. And so according to what we call the Old Testament law, the law would say If you are a a girl engaged to be married to somebody else and you have relations with another man, you and that man should both be stoned. I read that last night to just make sure that I'm saying that right. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 22. So the law said, in Joseph's mind, now she hadn't done that, but in his mind she had. So according to the law, Mary should be stoned. So in Joseph's mind, he thought he had every right To go into the community and to say to everybody, she's pregnant, I'm not the father. The the law says she should be stoned. But he didn't do that, why? Because Joseph was a man of grace. And as he just thought about it and weighed his options, he said, what I'm gonna do, I'm not gonna try to push forward to have her stoned. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna just divorce her. And I'm gonna do it secretly. I'm not gonna drag her name through the mud. I'm not gonna say anything about Mary. Hey, Mary was his girl. You don't talk about your girl. Even if your girl is hurt, you don't, you don't say anything about that. You love her. And he was probably hopeful. Maybe she'll come clean and tell what happened. We could put this thing back together. But he said, I will just divorce her secretly and privately. And I'm not going to say anything at all bad about her. He had a tender heart. And it says to me that God speaks to people who have hearts like that, right hearts with him, but right hearts towards other and they're tender and they don't want to make anybody else look bad. Another observation I made is this. God speaks to people who take time to meditate and to think, to meditate. Look in verse 20. This is one of my favorite parts of this story. It simply says this. But while he thought about these things, listen to this little phrase, while he thought about these things, he's just thinking, he's just meditating, no impulsiveness, No hastiness, no going to all of his buddies and saying, what do y'all think I should do? Look, she's praying. What do y'all think? No, no, didn't go to his parents. What do you think? I No, he's just thinking. He's just meditating. Probably praying a little bit in there, trying to figure out what to do. And in that moment, God speaks to him. Now, I want to just say this. Meditation is a powerful thing. When we just get in God's presence and we're quiet and we're still and we're thinking. This is, what I, this is one of the reasons I'm saying, I don't think the followers of God generally, worldwide, hear from God as much as they did in the you know, 1500s, 1600s. I just don't think, I mean, God's still speaking, but I don't think the people of God, by and large, are hearing from God as much as they used to because we're busier and we're listening to all this other stuff. But Joseph just took this time and he's meditating and he's thinking, and meditation is a powerful thing. You remember last week, you may not remember this, but I made a passing comment in the sermon, that for a long time, I have wondered about something. And I've just not known what the answer was. And it's bothered me a little bit, but it, you know, it, it, it wasn't crippling to me spiritually, but it was, it just, I just wondered about that. And f- four weeks ago yesterday, I was home, and I was just kind of thinking, and I was meditating. And in that meditation... It's like God just gave me the answer to my question, something I've wondered about for years. Just in a split second, he gave me the answer. And I'll tell you what it did for me, and I said this last week, it put me into a much deeper level of peace. And I just about didn't think I could have any more peace. But God just spoke that to my heart and it reveals something to me about his character, reveals something to me about the specific question I had, and God just put me into a piece. So what I'm saying is when we take time to meditate, and I've had this, I wish I could say this happens to me every day or every week or all the time, but it doesn't. But it does seem like lately i have having, having some of this. Last week one day I was driving down Fairmont Parkway and I was, just, I was by myself, I was just kind of thinking. I wasn't even thinking that I was meditating, I just was thinking. I was thinking about a financial situation, not, not buying anything or in, just thinking about something. I've been trying to figure out what to do. And as clearly as I'm speaking to you right now, except it wasn't audible, in a split second, it's just like God said, do this. And I thought about it. And it's like God's spirit in my, in my spirit bore witness with what, that thought that came into my mind. And I said, that's the answer from God. It's that simple. That's all I need, just do that. Last Wednesday night, I've been trying to write a booklet. I wanted to write it earlier in December that we could hopefully have ready for Easter on Jesus Cares, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And so I'd kind of been writing a little bit here, a little bit there, and just not making much progress. And so last Wednesday night, I got home and I worked on it from about eight till 10, a little bit after 10. And about 11 o'clock, I went to bed. And, and I'm in bed and I'm just kind of laying there thinking about the booklet. And I was about ready to go to sleep. and it's like, it's like God said to me, it's like God said to me, John, go back in your study, turn the light on. Now, not, He didn't say this audibly, but just in my I just knew to do this. Go back in your study, look at your outline of this booklet, and I wanna clarify something for you. So I did, I went back in there, got it all ready and turned it all on, looking at this. And in like two minutes, God gave me the whole section. On, on this book, I want you to say this about just how good God is. So I've written an entire booklet, 46 pages handwritten, about Jesus cares. And here are the topics God just gave me. He some of them I knew I was gonna write, but some of them I didn't. And he cares about our sadness. He cares about our feelings of hopelessness. He cares about our fears and our doubts. He cares about our basic needs. He cares about our guilt and our regret. I wrote a section I'd never even thought about writing. It's like, God, listen, think about this. Jesus cares about when and how we will one day die. Have you ever thought about that? He cares about that. And I wrote a whole section on that. And, you know, it comes from when Jesus said to Peter there in John chapter 21, after he was thrown into the ministry, he said, Peter, when you were a young man, you went wherever you wanted to go and did whatever you wanted to do. But when you get to be an old man, people will take you where you don't want to go. And you will experience something you don't want to experience. And the very next verse says, by this, Jesus was telling Peter how he would glorify God In his death. You know, we don't think much about glorifying God in our death. So I wrote a whole section on that. And I want to just tell you this before I get off that. You just wonder, when are we going to die and how are we going to die? I'll tell you exactly when and how. I don't know when we're going to die, but I know how we're going to die. As the children of God, we're going to die in the presence of Jesus Christ. But God's just speaking that to my heart. And I wrote another section about Jesus cares about what we do with our lives. I mean, how, what, how we spend our lives matters until we die. But all that just came, not from reading a book or, no, just just being quiet before the Lord. And so I would encourage you, look for practical things you can do. For example, I didn't say this in the first service, but I thought about it between services. For example, when you're folding clothes, You've washed your clothes. You've dried your clothes. You fo- Turn the TV off. I'm not saying you can never fold clothes with the TV on. That verse is not in the Bible. You can do what you want to on that. But just sometime turn the TV off and fold your clothes. And say, now, God, I'm going to take about 15 minutes and fold my clothes. If there's anything you want to say to me, I'm listening. I mean, we just have to look for times. I was coming to church this morning. Usually on Sunday morning on the way to church, I listened to a little preaching. Maybe I listened to some music. I was bagged out of my driveway today. I didn't want to hear any preaching. I knew I was fixing to do it. I didn't want to, I wasn't in the mood to hear a lot of music. I just turned the radio off and I didn't just listen. I don't know that God told me anything, but I'm just saying it's been, it's, there's something about that. You know, the Bible says the law of the Lord revives the soul. And there's something about getting a word from God that just energizes us. Now, another observation I made God speaks to people not only who meditate, but God speaks to people in creative ways. God God speaks to people in ways we might not expect. In verse 20, while Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So, in his case, the angel didn't come to where he was like he did with Mary. He came to him in a dream, and he spoke to him, and it says to me that God speaks to us in creative ways. What did Joseph need? Joseph needed a fresh word from God. He's trying to figure out what to do, and Mary had assured him, Joseph... I'm still a virgin. I've not been with anybody else. I've been faithful to you. And yet that wasn't enough for Joseph. Joseph needed to hear that from God himself. And God spoke to him through that angel. And it says to me, think about this, as important as it is to seek godly counsel, to ask other people for their opinions, I do that all the time. I mean, I probably take that to the nth degree, but that's very important. But listen, you can't ever let any other human being have the last word on how you're going to live your life. That has to come from God and Joseph needed a word from God. And once God spoke, Joseph knew exactly what he needed to do. And so I'm saying God speaks, uh, uh in creative ways. And not only that God speak, when God speaks, he doesn't stutter or stammer, or, you know, take forever to say it. God just says it and it's clear and it is plain. God speaks to us clearly and plainly. Look in verse 21. Here's what the angel said to Joseph. She will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Just clearly, plainly. That's always been my experience when God speaks. It's just fast. It's quick. It's fast. Sometimes when God speaks to me just by his spirit, it's like... There it is, it, just that quick. Now, it may take me two or three minutes to process what has been said, but I already know in my heart, what it, here's, there's the answer. He speaks clearly, and he speaks plainly. And he says to Joseph, Joseph, let's be clear about this. The baby that Mary will have, he, he will be the savior of the world. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. That's, I don't want you to be confused about who this baby is. The name Jesus means savior, God saves In the Hebrew Old Testament, Joshua, there was a sense in which God used Joshua to save the Israelites, but in the New Testament, Jesus, to a much greater extent, saved uh, the people. So when God speaks, he speaks clearly and he speaks plainly. Someone said a long time ago, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been entertainment, God would have sent an entertainer. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent a savior and that's who Jesus is. And God was making that point to Joseph so he would know. And then not only that, look at the next thing. God speaks consistently with what is written in scripture. One of the things about the voice of God God will never tell you to do something that contradicts the scripture. Never. Sometime a person will say, well, God has told me that I don't really have to go to church on Sunday. God has told me that I can worship him anywhere. And you can, it is true. You can worship God anywhere, but people take, people take the, the half truth and make it the whole truth and they lose the truth. God has told me I don't have to go to church. I can worship God on the golf course. I can worship God at the stadium. I can worship God on the lake. I can worship God on my back porch. That's all true. But the people who say, God has told me, I don't have to go to church. Friend, I wanna say to you today, God hasn't told anybody that. Because in the Bible, God says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. So God's not gonna say, you don't have to go to church when the Bible says you do have to go to church. Now, I think about those watching by streaming this morning. You know, streaming is a tremendous ministry. I was kind of under the weather a few weeks ago. I stayed home. I watched the service on streaming. Streaming is a tremendous ministry. When you Streaming is a tremendous blessing for those times in our lives when we can't go to church. We're sick. We're out of town. Something is happening. But listen to me. Streaming is not an excuse for coming to the church, being with God's people, if we can get there. And so I would encourage, you know, sometimes... Uh, we, we just have those thoughts. Well, I don't have to go today. The weather's cold. It's rainy today or it's cold today. If you're not sick and unless you're providentially hindered, we need to be with each other and we need to be in church. God will never say something that's not consistent. With his word. Sometimes a person will say, you know what? God just told me I don't have to tithe. He did. God just told me that that's Old Testament. I don't ha- I'm gonna have to do that today. And uh, as long as I'm good, you know, generous, give God a little something and help other people out. But God has told me I don't have to tithe. Sir, let me say to you, God has not told you that you don't have to tithe because that is in direct contradiction to his word. God says in the Old Testament, bring the tithes into the storehouse. In the New Testament, Jesus affirmed the tithe. And so God never tells us to do anything that is inconsistent with his word. The next observation I made is this. God speaks to people who have a heart to obey. Look again in verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And so he obeyed. Now, sometimes God speaks to people and they don't obey. I'm reading in the Old Testament right now about God speaking to people and they didn't do what he told them to do, but he kept speaking. They just didn't obey. But as a general rule, I believe that with all my heart, that God speaks mostly to those who plan on obeying, who are going to do what God told them to do. So today at the beginning, when I said, when is the last time God told you something? When's the last time, sir, you came home to your wife and said, you know, not going to believe what happened today. I'm coming home from work trying to figure this thing out and God just put something on my heart. I want to just tell you what it was and see how you feel about it. Or ma'am, when's the last time you went home and said that to your husband? God, today we're trying to figure out this family problem. And today, as just out of the blue, God spoke to me and God said, here's what we should do with this financial situation. Here's what we should do with the kids. Here's what we should do with the work. Here's where we should live. Here's what God said. And I wanna share it to you to hear what you think so that the two of you could be in agreement and, 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 and be together. But God speaks to people who obey. Here's the question though. If you say, you know, John, You're on a good subject today, but God's speaking. But to be honest with you, it's been six months since I've heard God say something to me. Well, okay, let's just take that one step further. If you say today, it's been six months since God has said something to you, what was it that God told you to do six months ago? And if you haven't done it, the wisest thing you could do would be do what he told you to do six months ago, And then he'll tell you something new. You know, we think in life, we say, God, show me what my next step is. And God says, well, you haven't taken the step I already told you to take. If you'll do what I told you to do. I mean, God's not in life. God's not going to show me step eight if I haven't taken step seven. And so Joseph got the word. God had spoken. See, after God spoke, he didn't need to go ask his parents or his brother or his friend or his sister no god spoke and he just did what god had told him to do and then number 7 this is very important god speaks to people who put purity above pleasure at the beginning i said we need to have tender hearts not you know any time my heart becomes the least bit hard insensitive calloused tend- you know how i know when my heart's not as tender as it should be when i listen to certain music and I don't cry. I don't mean weep, but I mean when I'm just not touched. Some of the songs today, like when we were singing, Oh, come let us adore him. That's probably my favorite Christmas carol. Well, like when we sang that today, that touched my heart. Well, that lets me know my heart is tender. But if you can sing certain, I mean, certain songs like that or your heart is just just never, your your heart is, you're cold-blooded and and you're you're hard-hearted and you've, you've just lost that tenderness. You've lost that ability to be moved with something. Well, here it's, it's something similar to tenderness, but it's purity. God speaks to people who put purity above pleasure. Look in verse 25, and it says, Joseph did not know Mary. He did not know her, did not have relations with her, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You see, even after they got married, they didn't do what married people would naturally do after they got married they didn't have relations they may have been married for 8 or 9 months before they had what we would call marital relations before they they did why because the bible made clear that not only was mary going to conceive by the holy spirit as a virgin a virgin would conceive but the Bible makes clear that the, a virgin would also give birth to a son. And so Joseph knew that she had to be a virgin uh, until Jesus was born. And he put purity above his own pleasure. Now, you still listen? Say amen. amen. As I think about hearing from God, and all of us, all of us today want to be able to, to hear the voice of God. I... As I said at the beginning, I'm convinced that God has many things that he would say to us if we would only listen. Psalm 81, if my people would only listen to me. They're listening to everything other than me. But late last night when I was finishing this sermon, this thought ran through my mind. Hearing from God is not an art. It's not an art. It's not a science I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one step for, take one step further than that. Hearing from God is not difficult to do. I think sometimes we think we have to learn. To, no, hearing from God is the natural result of what happens when we're walking with him in unbroken fellowship, right heart toward him, tender heart towards others, purity above pleasure, time meditating, thinking, contemplating, just quiet. And in the quietness, God speaks. And sometimes like me, four weeks ago yesterday, he answers a question that I'd had for a long time. And with that answer, not only did I gain a fresh insight about God, but I moved into a, a level of peace. I mean, I already thought I had as much peace as you could have. And I like moved into a whole different orbit of peace. And I just wonder today in this service, how many here would say, John, I need a word from God, whether that's an instruction, do this, whether that's a warning, don't do that. You're, you're fixing to go off the cliff, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether for these students here today. And by the way, I am so excited. I got up here to preach. I didn't say anything about at the beginning, but to see all these high school and junior high students and all these college students, you, you, people don't know this, this entire front row of this church today is college age students right here on the whole front row. Aren't y'all college? Am I right on that? College age students. And I, I didn't say anything when I first got up. But I said to myself, I thought about it when I saw y'all, I thought I would, that's my favorite age group to speak to, high school and college especially college, because you guys are making decisions. What am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to, are you making, that you're going to for the rest of your life? And where are you? you're, You're in church. You could be a thousand places today. Some ball game, some movie, Baybrook Mall. You could be a thousand different places today. Where are you? You are in the house of God. You are on on the front row in the house of God. You have been letting me spit on you for the last 30 minutes in this sermon. (laughs) That's how much you love God. But you're right here. You've got your handkerchief, you're just wiping it off right when it comes down there. But some of you today need a word from God about a relationship, about a career decision. I mean, you need a word from God let me ask you, let me ask, how many today, now we would all like a word from God, but how many here in this service today would say, John, you have just pulled out the hammer and hit the nail on the head for me. What I need right now at this time in my life, more than I've ever needed it, is a word from God. Raise your hand. That's not going to be everybody, but raise your hand. 25% 25% of the room said, you need a word from God. Now, let me ask this question. Those other 75% who you're not in a desperate state, you don't necessarily need a word from God. Of the other 75%, how many today would like to say, when you walk out those doors at the end of this service, I came to the service, I worshiped the Lord, I studied the Bible, but more than all that, today in that service, I received a clear word from God. How many would like to just raise your hand on that? I would like a word from God. Not necessarily desperate shape. We're not always desperate, but well, we sure could use a word from God. I think the reason that we don't hear from God more than we do is we're too busy on the phone, posting stuff on Facebook. I'm not against that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. Checking texts, checking emails. Watching TV. Get galleria. I mean just bam. Get in the car, turn the radio on, see what's on sports, talk hear a little bit of politics, this. What's happening in the political world today? I'll save you that. It's all craziness out there. It's all crazy. <laughs> turn it off, man. I'm not saying I mean I like to stay informed. But man, I would rather know today what heaven is thinking than what Washington is trying to figure out. Because whatever Washington does today, they'll undo next week or next year or the next election. You look at the history of our country. You look at all the presidents, Republican, Democrat. It just keeps going back and forth. Why is it going back and forth? Because when we have one on one side, we think the answer's on the other side. And we get that person elected. We say, no, that didn't work. I need to go back to the other side. The history of America politically is we keep going back. Friend, I want to say to you today as clearly as I can, the answer is on neither side. The answer is in heaven and the answer is in Jesus Christ. If Use your brain. If either side could fix it, don't you think it would be fixed by now? Now, I'm as conservative as they get, so I'm all about the conservatism. So, I'm, as far as policy, I'm not saying that policies don't matter, but I'm just saying, folks, it's not as important as what God has to say to you and the sports. We all love the sports. I love sports as much as anybody. I love sports. But I want to remind you as you go home today to watch the games, that's what they are. They are games. G-A-M-E-S. When you get up to go to work tomorrow, it won't matter who won the game. It won't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't. But I'm saying compared to God, it doesn't matter. Now, we've all said we'd like to hear a word from God today. So here's what I want us to do. It's gonna be different. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, I've been talking for 30 minutes, maybe a minute or two more than 30 minutes. But I'm fixing to be quiet, and we're going to have one moment of silence. And as we enter this silence, this moment of meditation, I want you to say this to God. God, if there's anything that you have to say to me now about anything, I'm listening. Speak, Lord. I want to be quiet. You just listen. Lord, we say with Samuel today, speak. Your servant is listening. God, if you tell us to do this, we'll do it. To go there, we'll go there. Just speak and make it clear what you would have us to hear. Now see that, that moment of silence that we just took in this room today, every day of your life and mine needs to have about 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, maybe an hour. I, I'm, it did not have to be consecutive. But in the course of a day, you've got to figure out some way to turn the noise off If you have a long commute in the morning to turn your commute into a chapel, as Max Licato says, turn that radio off, not for the whole ride, but for part of the ride and just listen. Now, some today, as was true in the other service, as you were listening, you were quiet. God spoke to you and God said to you today, you need to be Saved. You're not ready to die. You have sins on your record. And if you stepped out into eternity today, you don't have that assurance that you would go to heaven. Today, God's word is always today. Now is the accepted time. Today, 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 the devil's word is tomorrow. God's word is today. If you will hear my voice, God says, do not harden your heart. While your heart is tender, You come to a service like this week by week and you have an opportunity to be saved and you keep saying no and no and no and no. As one pastor said, there'll come a day when you become a professional gospel rejecter because you've done it so many times it's not even hard to do it anymore. Friend, while that heart is still beating and while your heart is somewhat tender, today you can be saved. Let me help you do that. Pray this prayer today. If you want to be saved or know for sure that you're saved, just say this today. The music can begin to play now. Just say this today. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me, save me, make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it.